And then my experience with it, with, with my wife, Sylvia has been like, yeah, we don't Venmo anymore. Uh, we use smooth like religiously because we've kind of found like if we, if it works for us, it'll work for other people. Hey, it's Zach from Boston Speaks Up. That's the voice of Tucker Cohen. He's the founder and CEO of Smooth, an app that makes it easy for couples to split their expenses automatically before they have a shared bank account. Super simple, straightforward value proposition. Smooth has got a nice, strong beta going right now. Tucker is uh, marching toward a end of Q1, Q2 uh, full launch of the Smooth app. He's a Boston entrepreneur. He's from Marblehead, Mass. He's lived in Boston the last 10 years, although is just now relocated to Los Angeles to sort of really blow up the Smooth app in the west side of Los Angeles in Venice Beach, which really caters to consumer tech. So this is a cool episode because Tucker is someone a lot of people will know. They probably run across him networking in Boston. He's a part of the Underscore core community. He's worked out of Underscore VC for the past year. Um, and now he's off in LA sort of chasing the dream and, 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 and looking to leverage and harness a community out west as well. Um, so we talk about all that and more, I'm really excited for, for everyone to get a chance to, um, to meet Tucker and, and hear about the journey he's on. And before we move on to the episode, a quick update for the community. In 2023, we're expanding the Boston Speaks Up platform, adding to our distribution channels, and offering more ways for local businesses to support and collaborate with Boston Speaks Up. There are immediate opportunities to sponsor the Boston Speaks Up podcast, where you can become a featured co-brand in our multi-platform distribution that spans social media, Boston Business Journal, Boston O, and the Boston O Beat newsletter, as well as new channels including the Value Creation Labs blog and newsletter. We encourage folks to contact us at team at valuecreationlabs.co to learn more and discuss the possibilities. Thanks. Now on to the episode. Zach Stravideo here from Boston Speaks Up. I'm here with Tucker Cohen, the CEO and founder of Smooth. What's up, Tucker? Hey, what's up, Zach? Good morning. Good afternoon, almost, where you are. Yeah, it's a it's a good just about to be a good afternoon here in Boston. It's a good morning, I'm sure, in Los Angeles, where you recently uh, relocated from from Boston, um, and we're going to unpack that a bit. But first, for listeners, do us all a favor and ground us in your current um, your current venture, Smooth, and what you've been working on for a couple of years now, and 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 share with folks like what it is and what you're up to. Yeah, absolutely. So Smooth is an app for couples to automatically split their expenses without the need or before they have a shared bank account. Uh, that's the most simple way I could explain it. I'm sure we could get into how it works a little bit later, but really we're just solving a extremely complicated emotional problem with a really simple and modern solution. Cool. And just expanding on that a little bit with like a, a, a curious question I've actually had for some time because we met at Shout out to Underscore um, and just had Lily Lyman on recently. We we're talking about the the Underscore core community. We met at a core community event pre-apocalypse, otherwise known yeah. as pre-pandemic. Um, it's like a lifetime I, ago. Yeah, it feels like 10 years ago. It was about three years ago. Um, and 
I'm curious with smooth and and couples that like totally can take advantage of this solution um, pre joint finances. And I even I haven't had the occasional couple that are married that have separate finances that this would actually work for, which I'm sure yeah. remains a use case when people are married. So it's not lost on me that this remains like how you've described it, uh, um, a use case for folks, even upon, you know, marrying. Right. Um, that said, I'm curious, as couples do potentially join their finances together, like, is do you, like is that is part of the evolution of smooth or, or do you currently sort of um, serve the interest of couples that do start to integrate their finances a bit just based on some of the features and functionality that you offer? Yeah, I think I think we can, you know, everyone's different. And ultimately, like, there's not one solution for every couple that works. Uh, and so if they have a shared bank account or shared credit card, this is the best example, like the best in class solution or like the status quo is like, oh, just get a shared credit card and put your expenses onto that. Uh, and then it's like, what ends up happening is one person like pays that off and then the other person reimburses them uh, or you know, they're still sort of doing this like money transfer, this like manual math and money transfer to figure out who's doing what and like share the responsibilities. And I don't know, we just think like, why don't you just not do that? You know, it's the world we live in. My phone opens when it sees my face yet to do this the right way. I have to like to manage expenses the right way. I have to uh, manually do all this math and like send money back and forth and type stuff in and have all these awkward conversations. So like, well, we're probably more for the couple that doesn't necessarily have any joint bank accounts yet. Uh, think like month, you know, eight to 15 in your relationship, right? Where you're committed but the, and you're going out a lot, but you don't necessarily live together yet. Like those interactions can be super awkward. And imagine the implications of being like, hey, babe, why don't we open a shared, you know, account for something like that's a huge red flag. I mean, in my experience, that could yeah. be a huge red flag. Some, yeah. you know, some people might go for it. But uh, anyway, yeah, I think it's cool. more for the people who don't. But there's definitely like the ability to service people who do have some sort of shared setup already. Yeah. And I completely relate to the model of this solution. And and it, re it reminds me of, as you know, like I moved to Los Angeles at the end of 2012 with my at the time girlfriend. And we spent a year leading up to that, like fi like finances are so much of such a part of a couple sort of g getting alignment as yes. two two humans trying to become like a, a bit of a union. And so for my wife and I, we literally had like a piggy bank <laughs> that yeah. we each put two hundred dollars cash in every month. Right. Uh, and and it was and. Sadly, I actually had a I used to have some pretty epic parties on Highland Ave in Somerville back in the day, and a very open door policy. And that piggy bank was subsequently robbed. Oh my um, goodness! At one point, which was super sad. So the person rushed pretty quickly, so we had like one third of the savings left. Yeah. Um, I bring this story up more though because a I get it because sort of you know you know you know an equitable relationship you know it helps foster an equitable relationship when sort of two people are like you know thinking about finances and thinking about savings together so i'm just curious like would if smooth was available at that time yeah would, would, like would that have been a good uh in addition to like the day-to-day -day sort of finances and, and sort of going yeah, out yeah. to dinners and stuff um this for me the savings component and joint savings towards goals joint goals would be yeah. particularly enticing to the you know the 26 year old in me 
Yeah. Okay. So not like from a solution standpoint, not right now. Um, there's been a lot of like interesting companies that have like sprung up and then sort of disappeared who help with like budgeting and savings for couples. And mm-hmm. I think they're maybe fatal misstep. Uh, I'm not going to like mention these companies, whatever. Like the misstep is like a lot of couples don't do that at that stage. Like you, you guys were probably a little bit more of an anomaly where you're like, Oh, we're saving for stuff. Uh, a lot of couples are more just like, yeah, we're feeling out the relationship. You know, definitely there's stages of the relationship where it would make more sense. So that obviously depends on what stage you're at. Yeah. But the thing that all couples are doing every day, millions, tens of millions, hundreds of millions of couples are like sending money back and forth on their phone. And so the main focus, like the first focus for Smooth is just fix that, mm-hmm. fix that problem, fix that challenge. And like, let, let couples keep sending money back and forth on their phone. But why don't they have to like stop doing math? Like they can stop doing math, stop do math, stop doing math. Yeah. Uh, and they can, you know, keep the cards that they already have. Right. And they don't have to have the pressure and implications of like opening a shared bank account. They can have that equity in the relationship without, you know, the last, the, the loss of their autonomy in the yeah. in their own personal finances. So that, that makes a long winded answer, but no, the you know, short answer is like, that's something we'll get into. Yeah. Budgeting, saving, and like we'll budget with real expense data instead of wishful thinking. Okay. And, you know, the goals can be really specific when we know how much people are spending first. Cool. Before we kind of expand further in some other areas, I want to go with you, go back in time, talk about that marble hood, uh, uh, marble head, marble hood. It's, not, marble very, hood. it's not very hood in marble head. Did I write um, that in there? Because we yeah, say that. Yeah. Yo, check out my boy Tucker from marble hood, marble hood. Where you at? Has that ever been a thing? That's marble a hood? thing. That is a thing. thing. Hashtag marble hood. Joke. Okay, yeah. cool. So, you know, you grew up in Marblehead, aka Marblehead, Massachusetts, and we're going to get into that in a second. Uh, but I'm just further like for myself, and I think it's cool for listeners, especially younger listeners that we have that are like, oh, cool. Like, oh, I do know about this because Tucker has been pretty embedded in the Boston community. So I know about it, but some of maybe they're discovering it right now. All right. Vis-a-vis Venmo. So like I had a New Year's party, a bunch of people were over. I did all the ordering for food and all my friends Venmo me. You know, in, in a sort of one-off peer-to-peer, you know, group-to-one kind of situation like that, Venmo works. Yeah. Um, talk to me about like the couple's use case and like, is is it is it a Venmo or Venmo type solution, a cash app that they're otherwise using yeah. um, when you're doing, when you've done your sort of like customer research over time? Yeah. Yeah. So it's usually something like that, where it's like a manual solution where they're sending money back and forth. And the biggest challenge with that is that they're constantly doing it and they're constantly doing the math to figure out like how much actually is it and who owes who, how much. Uh, and then it's like request and then remind, like there's these awkward interactions that happen on something like a Venmo. And when it's a group setting, you know, there's always someone who lets it sit in Venmo purgatory. And you're like, dude, what the, you know, I don't know. Can we swear on here? Uh, oh, yeah, you can fucking swear. Go for it. Yeah. yeah. It's like, dude, what the fuck? Like, I, I don't want to have to remind you. And now yeah. I'm texting you and it's right. like, you owe me 200 bucks, whatever it is. Like, just yeah. hit me up. Yeah. Um, and that, that same dynamic will happen in the relationship, but it's much more tense. It's much more emotional and yeah. it can create resentment on either side. And so it's just about like getting on that same page and then just setting it up automatically. And a lot of people don't have a process yeah. to do this. You know, it's like Excel, shared credit card, uh, no process. Like those are sort of like 
the three standards for like how to behave with sharing your finances. And it's one of these things where uh, the longer you wait, the worse it gets. It's like hard, hard conversations, easy life, easy conversations, hard life. That's, I think I wrote that in the questionnaire, but that's like I just such a good quote when it comes to this. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. And you used the word that I would have used that you have these like almost avoidable resentments but resentments being the word I was thinking of, but like, yeah, there's like these otherwise like smooth can help avoid which, which those resentments can lead to micro aggressions and aggressions. Yeah. Now random stuff's bothering you. Random stuff's bothering you. Um, and as a hot blooded Italian, um, (laughs) I need to limit the things that are festering on me or else I'm going to be all micro aggressive. I gotta, I gotta gotta watch. I worked on, spent some time in therapy working on that. Uh, yeah. But yeah, no. Let's minimize the resentment so that we can we can we can you know uh, also minimize the uh, uh, the likelihood of microaggressions. Uh, but yeah. so so off of that, like any uh, personal like your personal story or like and also and or it'd be cool to hear like some of like stories from some of your um, customers and and what Smooth has meant for their relationship. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, so born out of necessity, right? My my uh, now wife, she's from Madrid. We were there for a month, and we come back from that trip, and we're sitting on the couch. We have Excel open. We have our respective credit and debit cards open, and you know, we're an hour into this experience of like both being CFOs uh, mm-hmm. of the relationship, and like. <laughs> doing all this math and I'm like, holy shit, this is ridiculous. Like, yeah, there's gotta be an app for this. I've been in tech for a decade. There has to be an app. Why, why did I think of this already? Uh, and then I just started looking and there wasn't one. And I was like, huh, is that even, maybe it's not possible. And then I looked into the tech and then I found out it was possible. And then I started in surveying and interviewing my friends. And I was like, huh, you guys have this problem too. Is this a thing? And then mm-hmm. I started like doing all this macro research about like, shared bank accounts versus no shared bank accounts and relationships from like Gen X all the way to Gen Z. And it's like, oh shit, this is a thing. Like, this is what I'm going to do now. This is now what I'm going to spend all my time and energy on. Um, And so that's the story, you know, in terms of the inception. And then my experience with it, with with my wife, Sylvia has been like, yeah, we don't Venmo anymore. Uh, We use Smooth like religiously because we've kind of found like, if we, if it works for us, it'll work for other people. Mm-hmm. And if it's not working for us, that means there's something wrong with the execution on the product side. Uh, and that's, you know, almost like a secret weapon. It's like I'm building a product for myself. And if it does what I want it to do, I think it'll be like, it'll have some sort of mass appeal to a, a broader audience that we can then build off of. But, uh, you know, one of the most interesting learnings like you asked from one of our customers was like, hey, partner partner a owes partner b like four thousand dollars because they just moved into a new house and partner a can't pay all of that right now through smooth uh what if partner a could only pay like half of that and so we came up with this idea of like this functionality of the partial settlement mm-hmm. um i don't want to get like too into the weeds on product yeah. or we can in a minute or whatever yeah. but like basically you can pay half of that four thousand dollar balance using smooth and then the rest will remain. And the, the benefit to doing that is that you have a audit trail and a history of all the smaller transactions that go into that $2,000. Interesting. And then can over time, could you 
basically have some smaller transactions kind of help catch up and eat at that two thousand dollars exactly yeah. yeah then you say oh now i want to pay 150 now i yeah. want to pay 500. yeah that's cool it's um there's like a moderation there's like a relationship there's like a financial moderation um for the relationship that is very modern and i guess sort of one one follow-up question that comes to mind is i'm curious like the timing of as we know like being startup guys we like putting our passion into building things and and helping startups grow um fit you know time you know product market fit and, and timing are, are sort of very locked in together do you yeah. feel like smooth is more is being embraced a bit more in the 2020s it, it a narrative in in culture in the last five years has been about yeah. equitable relationships right yeah and 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 it's not to say that 10 years ago i mean my you know and maybe we were a bit of an anomaly then i would like yeah. to think more and more so it seems to me certainly with younger people in my life it seems like equitable relationships are just in general you know from a from 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 a lot of different perspectives um yeah. are increasingly important do you yeah. feel like that's helped give a stronger product market fit yeah absolutely i mean the the you know when our parents were growing up there was not this concept of a dink uh yeah. which i'm sure you know that, oh, yeah. that acronym right it's like yeah. doing um, no kids like yeah that is like the most gangster position to be that's like aspirational yeah. you know yeah. when you're in college and you're single you're like i want to graduate and be, become a dink you know because yeah. then you travel you live in a baller pad you get to go out to dinner and drinks all the time like yeah that's that's the new sort of uh american dream for mm -hmm. for a lot of younger people for like gen z mm -hmm. and when you talk about equitable relationships you, you are we're starting to see uh long overdue like turning of the tides from a compensation standpoint where women are starting to outpace men in washington dc and the same is true in new york and it's only going to be a matter of time until the same is true in boston and la and sf like it is overdue mm -hmm. uh and you know most of the women i know are smarter than most of the men that i know and so yeah. like it's way overdue but uh because of that it's like yeah that you know people are independent the uh stay the, the the dream of like the stay at home wife like it's shrinking you know it still yeah. exists no doubt yeah. it still exists uh in pockets in marblehead for example yeah. like yeah. that's a thing still for yeah. sure but uh you know most the, you and we, plenty of, everyone knows most of the couples are, are starting to just like everyone works everyone pays their own way uh and it's all rooted in that sense of financial autonomy too like yeah. like i mentioned earlier it's like we're getting married later in life which means we're getting married later in our career we're establishing dink status first so that yeah. we can have a foundation yeah because which also is partly out of uh, partially out of necessity because uh real the real estate market and the cost of like being set yeah. for life is so yeah. much fucking higher so yeah. like it's like we're not like we're not dinks because like we, we, like we meaning you know millennials and gen z increasingly yeah. like almost required to be dinks right. um and then like to build the foundation then yeah then it's like okay now i can have so that's like instead of having kids in in 20s you know you're having kids in your you know lower to you know mid 30s uh, right, right. yeah and and it's definitely you know and then there's certain there's a certain level of i think uh forced you know and maybe at times it doesn't need to be but it's like forced maturity for younger right. people to actually have to make the like more just more uh deliberate 
and prudent financial decisions earlier in their life so that they can, so that even though they may start life a little later than our parents' generation did, um, it doesn't mean that we don't actually have to think about financial, the financial implications of decisions in our 20s more than they did because we do. Right. And they also have like an exponential benefit if you can get ahead of it, if you can do right. it in your 20s. Exactly. Um, There's that compound that compound benefit if you get if you if you really get your shit together early in your yeah. early 20s. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's something that's not really like taught in. It's definitely not taught in high school. And no. it's like maybe taught in in college. And this is something that I talk about, too, like why, you know, smooth is like I said, a simple solution to a really complicated problem. Yeah. And then it's like, okay, well, why is this a complicated problem? Uh, it's because you have two people who are like early in their careers, early in their lives with totally different starting points when it comes to finance. And what I mean by that is just like what we're talking about, like not everyone thinks about investing. Not everyone has developed like a, a strong repertoire of financial literacy. And you don't know that you're on that same page. So like, comes from your your family, your background. Where'd you grow up? Where'd you go to school? What'd you study? Where did you go to college? If you did, what'd you study in college? Did you study finance? What do you do for work? Do you watch YouTube videos about this? Like two people now being aligned on all those different things I just mentioned is like next to impossible. Mm-hmm. And so that's why it's such a challenging problem. And everyone individually has a different relationship with yeah. money. And now you have two people in a romantic relationship trying to like manage that for the first time at 27 28 years old yeah where you're like well 50 percent of my parents and their friends all got divorced yeah you know like let's get a shared debit card (laughs) yeah it's interesting when you bring when you when you start that riff you just gave it made me think of jp servideo twice so for listeners a couple of years after meeting me at an event in Boston, uh, Tucker met uh, someone that looks a bit like me because he's my first cousin <laughs> and talks a bit like me and was like, oh, yeah, oh, it's a video. You must be Zach's cousin. Uh, yeah, but you met J- yeah, what up, JP? So you met JP and JP, what does he do? You know, he teaches financial literacy to high schoolers. Right. And, and partners with schools in the United States and, and in South America. And he's spent some time in Africa, too, because it's a big missing, you know, part of the curriculum for, for, um, for high schoolers. And I guess I bring that up, you know, for that common connection, but also I'm curious, like how early is to, you know, how early is, is, is the right place to start introducing smooth to young people, um, who are in relationships and, and, and it's, it's a bit of a way to say, Hey, here's a, here's a cool app. Here's a tool for you in your relationship. And also is going to help you develop some, fast twitch muscles in terms of like finance financial best practices to yeah. really hit the ground running in your 20s which is very much aligned with like the mission that someone like JP has. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think in terms of like us actually like when when does it make sense to start with smooth? It's really like if you're in a relationship, you know, there is this moment in time at the beginning where it would definitely not make sense in most places. Like in yeah. Europe, in Spain, it might make sense out of the gate. Like they split on the first date. In the US, if you split on the first date, uh, you're probably not going to have a second date, right? So yeah. it's definitely so like wherever you are, it plays an impact on if this is going to make sense. Yeah. But in the US specifically, I think when you do that like first trip together, where you're like, oh, let's go up to Killington for the weekend or like, you know, and you and you rent a car and you rent a house and you get ski gear and someone gets tickets like you're not going to be like, oh, here's my card. Here's my card for all those things. Yeah. But you yeah. probably are going to 
settle up on that somehow. And so when you realize that you're doing that, that's probably when it makes sense to to introduce Smooth in the relationship. In terms of like us helping with more financial literacy from a product standpoint, that's like where we want to go. Oh, cool. You know, where it's like, I think the second, like we want to be the, the couple's finance, like de facto. So mm-hmm. that basically means when you get to the point of like, hey, we're not just really feeling each other out. Like we're, we're like in love, we're committed. We're going to build a future together. We're going to like die, die together. Mm-hmm. We want to be able to like flip a switch and smooth and be like, okay, cool. You guys are like that now. Here's what you do. Like saving for a house. Here's how you can get a pre-approved for a mortgage. Let's invest. What kind of, what's your strategy? Okay. You're on a plan for a family. Where do you want to live? Like, what is your income? Like everything, like taking all that data and being like, here's a strategic plan for you as a couple to mm-hmm. like achieve your goals and faster than anywhere else. And I imagine it will get really stronger over time. You can build like, you could have, eventually have a machine learning element yes. to all that yeah. aggregate data over time. So you can yeah. have increasingly efficient informed insights to prescribing those plans exactly. to people that, exactly. that makes cool that that that's interesting how we made it to that sort of like sort of roadmap aspect of things just very very naturally um by the way killington great great way great place for a uh a ski weekend i'm a i'm a ski bunny uh but i did take my family to killington last year and and enjoy an outdoor hot tub with um with our daughter for the first time she thought it was so cool to be in a hot tub while it was snowing um, yeah, she's as, like, why don't we have one of these at home? Yeah. And, and, and mommy stayed inside. She still was like, I, I'm staying inside. It's too cold out there. But I'm like, you're in a hot tub. This is amazing. Um, so yeah, that make that makes a ton of sense. I, I'm the the other question I want to ask, and this will start to kind of unpack a little bit of like your your background pre-smooth. So you you're in this relate like when you were early in your relationship with your now wife. Mm-hmm. And you had, and you were unpacking, you know, all those finances coming back from, from, from Spain. Um, you, you then sort of, it uh, something triggered in your brain where you kicked into research mode, mm-hmm. where you started researching at a micro and macro level, the extent of the problem, the, and the gaps and the solutions that existed. Yeah. Where did that come from? Like talk about a bit of your background and and maybe like that's what I want to un- understand. And I want to understand like that's that's a very unique ability that you have. So I'm like, yeah. so I want to go back to that and 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 just like honor it for a second. And I guess to the like wherever you kind of want to go back in time. I'm curious. Like, okay, grew up in Marblehead. You went to Chapman, which we discovered pre podcast here. You went to Chapman with some fellow homies from you know uh, Jimmy Stan Stanley, right? Yeah, yeah. Jimmy Stanley, the the founder of uh, Sole Bicycles, that people from Boston may know. I know plenty of people in Boston that get Sole Bicycles shipped out to them from from uh, Venice Beach. Uh, uh, yeah. So you I went to Chapman, around Southie. dude. It's awesome. I literally <laughs> my my Sole bike is like on the other side of this brick wall right now. Um, and I I need to get a new one at some point or a new chain. It's 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 taking a beating. <laughs> um, but maybe I'll just get a new one. It'll be a good good reason to save it up to Jimmy. Um, but I bring, so I'm, so you grow up in Marblehead, you go out to the West coast, you go to Chapman, yeah. just sort of curious, like education wise, um, and, and sort of, and the entrepreneur and you like how you went and scratched those itches in your early professional career. I'm curious about, but go back yeah. in time a bit, because it, it, it sounds like we had a similar mentality as young people, like yeah. hustling and, and finding ways to like, you know, get creative, earning a buck. Yeah, I mean, it's funny because like 
you know, you grow up in Marblehead and for anybody that doesn't know, like it is kind of like a one percenter haven, but there's also like a strong middle class there and like lower class even, you know, in some pockets. And I was definitely like in the, you know, my family, we survived, we were not homeless, we had cars, I always had meals, like I would have the toys, but it was definitely like, you start to notice at a really young age, <clears throat> the differences. Yep. And, uh, you know, you go to your buddy from fourth grade's house and you're like, wow, you have six bedrooms here. This is like, what? And there's a pool and there, and you're like, huh? Oh, wait, that's different. Um, and so like, I remember at a really young age, like I had my first job when I was 14 at a, a restaurant there. It was a family friend. It was illegal for me to work there, but it was a, it was a family friend. And so he was like, and he's like a salty fisherman. Like this yeah. Marblehead is like the Outer Banks. If anybody's watched that yeah. show where the intro yeah. is like, there, you either have two houses or you have two jobs. Like there yeah. is a lot of that, like blue collar <laughs> fishing, like Northeast roots. And then there's a lot of like, yeah, I'm only here in the summer. Right. Vibes. And so uh, I had this first job when I was 14 and I was at a restaurant called Flinney's no longer there. Anybody that's local would know it. It's right on the beach. Flinney's sounds like a place I just want to go to. It's a spot. It's a spot. <laughs> and so I was so young. Everyone else is there. You know, everyone else working there was at least five years older than me. Um, and I remember so like vividly, I was the only one in my, this must've been like eighth grade summer or seventh grade summer. Like I was the only one in my class that had a summer job. And one of my friends came by and he had just got the razor flip phone mm -hmm. and he was, you know, I'm working and he, Oh, the Motorola razors. Yeah. Like OG tech yeah. hardware innovation. Like that got it. You know, we wouldn't be where we are today without the razor. Yeah. I think we can all admit that. Right. Um, but he's like showing me the razor and I'm like, sick. Like, this is cool. Like, I mean, I've always loved technology, no doubt, but I was also yeah. like very, jealous that I'm yeah. like, damn, I got to go back to this like greasy ass kitchen and you're going to just go like skate around and like have this fun. So I just noticed this like disparity of, so that's yeah. like motivated me. By the like, way, I, quick, quick side note before you go further. Yeah. And I, I, don't, yeah. I only want to cut you off just to say it is, um, I love that you're working in a restaurant at 14 and, uh, my wife and I have already agreed. I don't know if, if you and your wife have agreed on this or if you haven't, you should, but I have a feeling you already have required um job for what will now be a, a two daughters because we have another daughter doing a month working in the restaurant industry Gotta it's just a it. humbling experience Gotta do it. you work with salt of the earth folk and yes. my wife and i both did it and you can tell people you interact with in life who haven't had those humbling like work in the oh. service industry experiences and it's just like yeah. I can't, it's, it's just like, it should be a requirement that and financial it's literacy. It's like yeah. it, when you're 14, you should get a job in a rest, like, or 16 when it's legal, but you should get a job in a restaurant in high school yeah. and you should learn about financial literacy and you'll like, you'll be all right. And that's like this, that's the course. It's like, you take the money from the restaurant that you make and then you like yeah. learn how to invest it and save there you it. Go. Yeah. Um, no, it's so fun. I'll tell you two quick stories about yeah. that. One is like, because of that experience, I'm always like, the waiter comes over and you know they they're used to getting abused by people like the yeah. lion's share of people have not had that experience and are just like rude uh yeah. that's like the world we live in today and so when sylvia and i first started dating the the waiter comes over and she's like blah 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 and I'm like, oh, hey what's your name and she literally thought i was like flirting with this person but i just want to make them feel comfortable yeah you know where it's yeah. like yeah, i want to call you by your name you're, yeah. you're waiting on me you're serving me i ask questions i'm engaging like and it's just it's not about you know it's not flirting of course i'm on a date right but it's yeah. like 
I just want this person to feel like I'm one of the good ones. You know? yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm not going to, I'm going to help you. I'm going to help you have an easier time today yeah. in any way possible. Totally. Uh, the other quick story is like it's seismic. So like we can get more into my like professional yeah. career after, but like we used to take candidates uh, to a restaurant Tavern in the square, like right across from, oh, from yeah. North Station there. Yeah. And we would take them like they were far along in the interview process. We'd take them out to lunch and we'd have the people, uh, like the bartender intentionally screw up the order just to oh, see what they would do. That's great. Just to see how they would react. So this is like such a good litmus test on like the person behind the resume, you know, you're yeah. like, so anyway. Yeah, no, like totally that's, a, that's a really interesting uh, real world interaction that you sort of uh, you can you can you contrived a nice little like, like uh, controlled uh, ability to really get to know a person that way. Yeah. Did you Dude, ever I have did. did you ever have people that let you down that were like jerks or or like did or did people handle it really cool? No, it's shocking. Like you, yeah. you'd be shocked to see like how some people react in that behavior, and then they like expect you to join them too, and you're like, dude, that's just not it. Like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, then they want you to. Then they're all of a sudden they're like kicking into like yeah, pack mentality. Like yeah, screw them. Nope, that's. Like, not can you believe that? Like no, no, yeah, like they're just they're just trying their best, dude. Wow, also, they did that on purpose. Crazy. Right. Also, <laughs> yeah. Do you ever tell? <laughs> did you ever tell anyone that you? We would tell people like, after we yeah. after we, if they came yeah. on full time, we would tell them. Uh, imagine the the blushed red face of those who didn't handle that so well afterwards. Yeah. So so yeah. So let's talk about. So what year did you graduate from Chapman? But so yeah, so I graduated. I was on a little little five year college program. That's not bad. I have plenty of friends that are on the seven year plan. Yeah, it's <laughs> like I got it done. I got it done. Um, but I went. It's because I started school in New Hampshire. Um, Colby Sawyer. Oh, I almost went there to play soccer. I I played soccer there. I got. Did you? How old are you? Peter Steeves was a coach. Yeah. What? How, so how old are you, Tucker? Thirty two. Okay, so you're five years younger than me. Renault Lopes and Nick Dezenzo. Oh, yeah, Renault's my boy. He was at my wedding. Oh, Renault's actually designed a tattoo for me right now. Uh, no a Cal- way. A California poppy that's going to be sprouting out of my now recovering Achilles. Oh, my goodness. That's so sick. He's a, he's a beast. He's a beast tattoo. He, he is a beast at anything he sets his mind to. Uh, but yeah, yeah I, was, I was... Imagine the delight of a pretty decent soccer player in Methuen with the, on a pretty good team when yeah. Renault, who had moved here from Brazil... Yeah. Like just as high school was starting, moved to Somerville and then quickly relocated to Methuen. Yeah. Wow. And so we played high school soccer together. We were captains of the soccer team together our senior no year. And, oh my um, God. And then when his parents moved back to Brazil, which you may know, yeah. he was like, he got to stay with Nick Dezenzo. Yeah. Um, do you know Nick? I didn't meet Nick because Renault he, was Renault was on the five year plan. So Renault was there when yeah. I was a freshman. But which Nick most was of that, Renault I know was, Renault must have been like 25 by the time he graduated because he was already always old. He was older and older. Um, that's, oh, well, what what a small world. Okay, so I'm familiar with Colby Sawyer. So small school, yeah. I think, you know, ultimately for me, I wanted to go to a city school and and had this like track I needed to be on professionally. Yeah. And and I did walk, I, I played a little bit at BU and that's a story we don't need right. to get into. That was tough. Um, but Okay, small school. I think less than a thousand people. It's like a thousand. It's like the same size as Marble High. Yeah. yeah. So and that I'm wasn't really. And I was an athlete, and it was yeah. just a bad mix. So I would. Yeah. So, yeah. So anyway, so then I transferred to Chapman, and I lost a bunch of credits, and yeah, uh, that, and I walked on the lacrosse team at Chapman, which is where I became homies with Jimmy. Cool. And uh, yeah, so 
What were we talking about before? When that? did you graduate, Chapman? Oh, 2013, 2000. Okay, so 20. So so then, what were your prospects coming out of school in 2013, and like what, like where yeah. did you end up getting your first job? I mean, so I wanted, I kind of wanted to stay on the West Coast. Like, I, I mean, I definitely wanted to stay on the West Coast. Like, I've always loved it here. That's why I'm back, yeah. uh, partially. Yeah. But um, yeah, I ended up getting plugged into a company called Seismic, which I was just talking about. And it was like through a friend of a friend of a friend, like knew one of the guys that was starting works. Yeah. Yeah. And they yeah. were like, oh, we're building a sales team. And then I, you know, was the first hire on the sales team. And, uh, you know, Jeff McDonough hired me and he's, he's, you know, one of my best friends to this day, a close ally of mine. It was, you know, such a unique experience to work for someone uh, who's also figuring it out as they went and also like uh, super transparent about that. Like, you know, my sales training was like the two of us on laptops on a conference room and be like doing cold outbound and like figuring it out, you know, and the company had like a, a million in revenue at the time. And, you know, fast forward three years, Jeff and I are now 40 person team. The company now has 30 million in revenue. We have wow. 200 people total, like, so it's just a fucking crazy experience, like right yeah. out of college to get into that. And, you know, so I've had this like early entrepreneurial spirit. I knew I didn't want to work in restaurants. I knew I wanted to be successful. So my kids could be the ones with the razor phones and not the ones yeah. with the summer jobs. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And even though you're still going to make them get the summer jobs, they're to still going to have one. Yeah. yeah. But it's not going to be out of necessity. Like yeah, it was exactly. for us. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It's just character building exercise. Yeah. Um, they'll still have the allowance, whatever. But yeah. like, yeah. So I'm like, so I'm like learning all about startups and I like wanted to do it. Like, like I, I wrote a blog post my first year at Seismic that was on the Seismic blog about like, I wanted to start a company, but I didn't know what it was. And I figured the best thing to do would be to learn from other people who were starting a company. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, that's, that's like very true to the path that I've been on since. Uh, so after Seismic went to Turbo, Turbonomic, like did, some hardcore Bain Capital sales, learned about selling into the infrastructure, got real Sandler sales training, like proper medic, you know, all the all the process stuff. And then went to Drift and was a, one of the first 10 sales reps there. Where were you geographically in these jobs after Seismic? Oh, so I moved back to Boston, uh, yeah. like for Seismic. For yeah, that's, okay, that's what I thought. So in 2013, yeah. you moved yeah. back to Boston. Yeah, moved and, back to yeah. Boston. From Newport Beach, like yeah. crazy. Different. I was teaching yeah. sailing at two. I was teaching yeah. sailing at two different places in Newport, and all I did. I, I'm not a good sailor. Like I'm a, <laughs> I'm an average uh, center console captain, let yeah. alone a good sailor. But I went in and I was like, hey, I'm from Marblehead, Mass. Uh, that's like where the Navy was started. Yeah, and I've grown up sailing my whole life. And they're yeah. like, oh, cool, you're done. You're you're hired. And I would just tool around in a whaler in Newport Harbor, and like nice. that was my job. That's cool. Um, yeah, I was really tired of like not having money and was like, I need to do something to do that. So I, I broke my lease in Newport, moved back to Boston, started at Seismic, stayed in Boston for, you know, basically a decade at this point. Yeah. Oh, um, yeah. Then went to Turbo, got the scale up training. Yeah. More formal, a little more serious. Definitely like selling into the infrastructure was really serious. Uh, and then went to Drift where, you know, we were growing like crazy and learn the importance of brand. Mm -hmm. um, I'd basically gone from Turbo, which had a really bad brand. Yeah. Just hitting the phone brand. Yeah. And then to Drift, which had the best brand. And so yeah. 
that was when it like clicked for me. Like I've always been passionate about brands like Jake Burns. It's sorry to cut you off there, but like yeah. brand and culture goes like hand in hand. So like yeah. evaluation creation, like totally. we do, we do a ton of brand work and we just yeah. did a big private equity backed ed- education tech company. We did some work with last year. We pushed their ELT, their executive leadership team into um, a couple long, like three hour sessions, like at the beginning of the engagement. And yeah. we, they were, I think for the most part, like they were pleasantly surprised yeah. at the level of, um, focus that we had on internal culture yeah because it's so like yeah drift has a great brand but that brand only exists because the internal culture identifies with the brand right right david cancel has always and and that and it's i'm not like there's no one to throw shade out here it's just but when brands like when there's a when there's an inequity you know when there when there's some level of uh or a disconnect between yeah. like the brand that's presented publicly and yeah. the brand that the internal uh, personnel identify with totally. your culture. People are going to got something broken. Yeah. yeah, and and the customers can tell. And yeah. that, I mean, Turbo had no like root identity. It had been through so many changes, so many different like leadership changes, uh, company name changes. Like it was, you know, it was a revolving door of people coming in and out. And Drift, especially at the beginning, was like core team, core vision, building just like everyone was like super focused on the business, but also the brand. And so maintaining that alignment and it starts at the top down, like DC is a, is a beast at that, like totally gets that and understands the importance of it. And, you know, if you have someone at the top who doesn't necessarily believe that that's a thing, you know, they're kind of like, yeah, marketing, go do marketing. Like, let me know. Uh, Then I think, you know, you're not going to, you're not it, building a good brand is a concerted effort and it li- yeah. and, and uh, it aligns well, like you said, with building a good culture. They both yeah. take out, they don't just happen. Yeah, totally. Um, and listeners won't see this, but I actually have a shirt on today. It says tubular. So this, this is tubular labs, totally tubular. Um, tubular, yeah, dude. <laughs> yeah. So tubular labs is a, is a media measurement company out of San Francisco. And I bring them up because I advised them for years and years when I had my space in uh venice that i was telling you about pre-podcast where we one of the random things i did one day was like i hit up jefferson graham people who know you know tech and read usa today will remember he was the talking tech guy at usa today for like decades and um he used to do and talking tech was a podcast Mm -hmm. and so i hit him up one day and i was like yo do you want to come like shoot your podcast with video cameras on in this cool space in venice right next to where sole was and he was like yeah zach like that sounds awesome so I produced the USA Today talking tech show for like a little while. And um, I met the at the time founder uh, or well, founder at the and and um she was like COO of the company, uh, Allison Stern that way. But they eventually brought Scott Ernst in to run the company. So I worked with Scott quite a bit. Wow. And as you probably know, Scott is so when Scott got named CEO of Drift. Yeah, I was like, oh, sweet. I texted Scott. I'm like, dude, that's awesome because he's OG Boston tech guy, compete.com, et cetera. Yeah, yeah. Um, and had a chance to actually have him on the podcast not too long ago. I was listening to yeah. him too. And I didn't, yeah. he's a Rhode Island look. Like, I was born in Rhode Island too. My yeah, not a lot of people real like realize his like Boston connections. But as soon, I mean, it made sense. Like, you know, Drift did a good job of like hiring someone. Like, and then he's done like, he's, you know, worked, you know, Macro Mill in Japan and like, you know, public yeah. markets there. Like, he's just, crazy global experience Sam, become, you know you know he's sort of like bi-coastal San Fran Boston guy but I think yeah. a lot of the um but kind of off it so just kind of making that connection to drift but I think off of that too just I, there's a lot of value in 
shifting, certainly shifting coasts and, and shifting and shifting your surroundings in general. And so you were, you grew up in Marblehead, you know, Marble Hood. You, Marblehood. you went, you went, yeah, <laughs> you, 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 you know, in Methuen, we used to say, yo, Methuen. Yeah. Um, so you uh you For the listeners, up, we're doing gang signs. There you go, like, gang signs. Yeah, like, like Malibu's most yeah. wanted. Yeah, like and I was from West Methuen, so West Side till I die. Um and in West Methuen was like actually quite nice. It was like you're in New Hampshire. Um and it was like right in New Hampshire border, which is why my first ever like real job after a paper route was at Bob Stores. Um, you know. Yeah. Taking care wow. of all of mom, all of you know moms and dads uh, customer complaints at the service desk yeah. um, for a whopping eight dollars and thirty cents an hour. I remember yeah. when I got the raise from six seventy five to eight thirty, and I yeah. thought I was breaking. You're in. like, hello, I'm almost at ten. <laughs> I have world. I have arrived. I'm going to be able to buy that uh, Pontiac Grand Am that's on its third head gasket. Dude, remember um, the old paychecks too? You're like, what? <laughs> looking at it, you're like doing math. You're like, all right. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. And you're like, oh, I didn't work enough last week. I made, yeah. you know, $39, yeah. you know, like just like, oh, I must only worked one shift. Um, so tangent aside, uh, yeah. I'm curious, sort of Boston, Chapman in California, back to Boston, Yeah, uh, you know, and, and, and it'd be cool to hear a little bit about like the relationship you had you've you've had with underscore in Boston and then yeah. the support they've given you and the community's given you in developing smooth. Yeah. But I'd love to talk about like it just the balance of perspectives you have from being on both coasts. And then ultimately like what you draw from strength wise from what you've learned and the community you have in Boston. And now you've gone and you've reembedded yourself in a community in LA yeah. that is certainly not lost on me and and how strongly that community helps support consumer tech um talk about that uprooting like you you know you own a place in salem mass you're in the cool spot for people that don't know like salem beverly i'm in beverly mass like it's got a lot of like camberville vibes like it's like a lot of a lot of folks that were like chilling in boston cambridge somerville charlestown they've kind of they've made their way to that part of the north shore because you know there's some decent nightlife in salem uh, too. Yeah, it's it's thir- you know it's from from downtown Salem. You could get to North Station in 22 minutes, I believe. Yeah. If I could be per- perfectly precise, so you can yeah. you can be at a Celtics game in 25 minutes. Yeah, um, so easy. Yeah, you you had a you had, had a you know lovely life in Salem, and 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 perhaps you'll return if you want to talk about that too. But you're be- you're in LA now, so talk about talk about that decision, and just talk about the experiences in the multiple communities that yeah. you have, sort of that you're you know that that are supporting the growth of smooth. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a lot, like no doubt it's a lot, uh, especially like at this stage, you know, it's, it, it's it, it, on a personal level at this stage of my life to like decide to do it. It is a lot, but, but like, uh, I don't, I mean, Boston has been amazing. Well, there's like a couple questions there. Like it's about just like bouncing between both. Like, uh, it's funny when I, when I transferred from Colby Sawyer to Chapman, I, I got to Chapman and was like so out of my element. I was walking on a lacrosse team instead of the soccer team. And I hadn't played in two years because I had only been playing soccer and Colby Sawyer didn't have a uh, lacrosse team. And so I'm like, you know, trying to get back in shape, like figure it out. Like those are, you know, those switches go off if you don't use them for a while yeah. with any sport. Um, and so I, I'm at Chapman as like the kid from Boston. You know, I'm not from Marblehead because nobody knows what the heck that is. I actually like remember these. There's some girls at Chapman who would say they're from Boston. They're from New Hampshire, and I'm like, yo, yeah. that's a different state. Like, yeah. that's yeah. actually not like people yeah. know New Hampshire. Yeah. Um, they should at least. Yeah. And so, 
So anyway, I'm like the East Coast, like an East Coast guy on the West Coast. And then I'll come back for holidays and people would be like, oh, you're so, you're so Cali now, dude. You're so I Cali. Really, yeah. And so I'm like, okay, wait a second. Like, over uh, in California. The identity I'm, crisis is real. And I've, real. I've had it myself. Yeah. I know. I hear you. Yeah. It's intense. And yeah. so you're like, cool. Now, actually, I don't know where I fit in. Maybe I'll just yeah. go to like Kansas and call it a day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, um, I, yeah. Here, right, Wrightsville Beach, Wilmington, North Carolina is nice. Like, yeah, it's a judgment-free space. Right. But so that that's you know, and that's cool. Like, I, I kind of, you know, at a, a certain point, it's like, who gives a shit what people yeah. think? Like, I'm just gonna do my thing. Um, and now I'm, I'm, you know, I, I had, I did go back after being in California for college, and I learned probably more in the past ten years than I had in the previous twenty uh combined and you know i'm taking and moving back to boston was a great decision like moving to california in the first place for college was like my first best decision and then moving back to go work at seismic was like my second best best decision and learning what i've learned in the past 10 years and being able to come back here with some of these like you know grassroots teammate connections uh that i made in college and so like not starting from zero, starting from like 0.5 in terms of like my community and network in LA. Uh, it's, it's, it, it helps. It like feels right. Like it feels like it's, it's been written already. Like this is now the third best decision that I'll look back on, mm-hmm. I think. Um, and I mean, just in general, like the work ethic that I've developed being like from that sort of like blue collar, humble beginnings, and then working at like hyper growth, high tech companies with venture money in Boston, and being extremely early at them and having to like develop a process and interview and train people when I'm 23 years old, you know, and there's so much like growing up that happens in that process uh, that I'm now taking here. And it's like LA's tech scene is a thing, but it's still like emerging, you know, it's, I think it's like definitely a few years behind Boston and I'm in a unique position now as a founder where I can say, Hey, look, like not only have I been like, I've done this before. I haven't been the guy, but I've been part of this conversation mm-hmm. at other companies. I know the playbook, uh, not only from a business building standpoint, but also from a community standpoint, like underscore, you know, you brought them up. It's done an yeah. amazing job of like fostering a real Boston first community. Like that blueprint can be straight up copied and brought over here. Like shout yeah. out underscore, obviously, yeah. but yeah. like it's it always shocks me time. how how um it, it, like uncommon that kind of a model exists. I mean, it takes yeah. it takes discipline and a and an investment. Uh, yeah. You know, you, you got to have folks like um, you know Jenny. Devin and Jenny. You know, yeah. Jenny went to Boston University, which we we go terriers. Uh, but you yeah. have to you have to invest in you know, and people and and those people can oversee and develop strategies and infrastructures to yeah. allow a community to like thrive. And, you know, like there's like a core community, like platform. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it's, it's, it's unique. And it's why like, sometimes I'll sit like when I went to that event and I'm, you know, and where I met you and I met yeah. Clem Casalot and I met all yeah. these, you know, I, you know, met all these, these amazing people. Um, I remember like tweeting, like, no, like no one can, no one, I, I've been to a lot of events in Boston over the years. Um, I met my wife at a OG Bostono event and, no way. and, and so like, but, it, but there's no event like the, that core community event, like that you and I met at, 
Yeah. And only underscore could pull that off at the time. And and then and then, you know, to a lesser extent, like the event they did this summer, I was like just really appreciated like the like who who they brought out. And um I think I similarly tweeted like, yeah, like they're like an underscore event. And and I had a couple of people hit me back that were like, Why do you think underscore events are like so good? It's just like like is that a rhetorical question? Like, yeah. like is there anything they're else that's, like what yeah. like what else is is kind of cool and like at lawn on d like the one was yeah. like where like really like um smart people are very comfortably you know transferring knowledge to each other like right. at right. that scale like it's it's a pretty decent size events they do like yeah it's just it's it's interesting to me that um you don't see as others like following that blueprint you know it's yeah. like yeah, it's it's pretty it's, it's pretty it obvious. So, so I <laughs> yeah. think so. Yeah, I think like to that point, I think this stuff is going to happen out yeah. here soon. And like, yeah. I do want to be like a part of it, not just because you know from like a self fulfilling, you know, reasons, yeah. but like that growth is just exciting. Like yeah. from a community standpoint, like seeing underscore even just in the past like three years, how much they've grown, uh, and how much that community has grown, and allowing you know being part of it. Like I I would camp in their office, you know, work not camp, yeah. but like. I worked yeah. out of their office for the past year plus on smooth uh, you know and they're fun they love it and they're not they yeah. didn't invest in smooth because we're consumer you know they're yeah. b2b uh yeah. and but they don't care that's the community that's awesome. play, yeah know? i mean i was before the pandemic and you know this like i, I was recording boston speaks up podcast there for like a year yeah and they're just like yeah like it's cool like and there's once, no they, yeah. they have no benefit no strings right attached right like other than this know. right now yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. And and yeah, we got we got their back for sure. Yeah, exactly. um, I think that's going to happen here. Actually, like funny story about that. I was uh, I was working at the underscore office and uh, I like had driven in from yeah. from Salem. And so I'm driving. I was leaving and I like flipped on Uber because I'm a Uber. I'm a four point nine nine star Uber driver. Uh, yeah, in my spare time. Yeah. Uh, but so I flipped on Uber and a guy named Rich re requested a ride and I accepted it. And uh, and uh, it was Rich from Underscore. Oh, like uh, uh, Delude? Delude, yeah. Delude, he, calls yeah. Me, he calls me from the Uber number. And, you know, Rich is, yeah. is like very clear that it was Rich on the phone. I'm like, Rich, it's Tucker. And he's like, oh my gosh, sorry. He thought he called me. Yeah. I was like, no, 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 I'm, I'm your Uber driver, dude. <laughs> nice yeah and like you don't and you don't give a shit you're like yeah like yeah, I, drive, no, I, drive. I love it he yeah. popped up front i gave him a ride yeah. and sat that is awesome like it's yeah. just like but that's boston you know I, that's I'm, really cool that's actually a really cool story for like if uber would get their act together from a storytelling perspective that's like that's how i would tell the story of like incentivizing more entrepreneurs um that's like a cool story to share and like Dude, I have, this, I have that's a boston uber there. story yeah yeah like i i tweeted that as a joke i was like some people call it being an uber driver i call it networking on the road totally like, yeah and it's well, true. That, like, I there's a lot of that i mean in um in san francisco so like the first two years i was in la i was like the first year i was in la i was in san francisco probably 10 out of 12 months um yeah. oh like i was helping launch like macari you know the macari app that's like you know all over, hey. like blown up now I helped we helped launch that out of Japan back then um and over the years it was interesting to see as time evolved like I it, it it that was too early but as time evolved over the years and it got into like the mid 2010s and like yeah. Uber and Lyft were were prevalent it was so interesting the amount of times I got in an Uber or a Lyft and I had an entrepreneur like pitching me their startup yeah which was cool I was like sweet like I would just learn about some yeah. you know 
aspiring entrepreneur or, or entrepreneurs startup, like just yeah. getting through like in San Francisco in particular. Um, and I always thought it like, it, you know, car, you know, cars, um, you know, comedians and cars, like the Jerry Seinfeld show. Oh, it's like, why, why? Yeah. yeah. Uber, like Uber, like that'd be such good content. And then my brother was a Uber driver. He used to work for Jerry Bruckheimer and then he worked for Sean Levy in LA. And he like, as part of his journey to like really embrace being like more of a, no a novelist, like he's like, you know what I've yeah. like, I'm he, he kind of pulled back um, work from working um, in the entertainment industry. And he started driving Uber. Yeah. Um, and as he put it, if you're a good Uber driver in LA, you know how to manipulate the grid. And so he used to be manipulating the grid left and right, but he would just like, you know, meet the most interesting, uh, interesting people. And like, we had this, like, we literally at one point had like an email we like worked on together. We're like trying to get Uber to just yeah. invest in like a content marketing program that my, that like my brother would like, we'd capture with my brother and then like, yeah. I would help post-produce and like, we'd make a little money and like, it'd help Uber out or whatever, but you know, they didn't bite. Um, but there's a lot of there's a lot of gold there. But hey, you got, you got you you miss all the shots you don't take, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so it's such, like yeah. meeting the people is so cool. Like having it a conversation. Is. You know, Paul Paul English does this like famously just to like meet people and talk to people. And it's like, you know, there's a there's a, there's a uh, important sort of life skill of like reading the room, which is like okay, I'm not yeah. gonna like pitch move to everyone that gets in the car, but when like a couple yeah. gets in the car. I'm going to like ask leading questions that might oh, yeah. like get it oh, to yeah. come up, you know, or uh, if someone, yeah, I, I had another funny experience where I was like at an event in Boston and, you know, I'm rocking my smooth merch and then I like flip on Uber and like ended up picking up someone who was at the event and uh, uh, she's in startups in Boston, Rachel, shout out Rachel yeah. McIntosh, but like yeah. now she's like a smooth uh, evangelist and she's got a smooth t-shirt. Like, That's awesome. but that was, that was just like, that's how it yeah. happens. I don't know. Yeah. Networking on the road. Yeah. yeah, totally. Well, so so talk a bit about the goals right now. So you you're just getting. You know, congrats on kind of settling in. Um, yeah. and in you're you're in Venice, which is definitely where that's my preferred place to be. If I that's where I was, and that's where I'd be where I'd go back to if I was in LA. Come on um, back, dude. Yeah. Hey, you know, maybe, maybe you never know. You know, I got <laughs> you know got kids kids in this life that that you know our our our, our older daughter. She's uh. She's born born in Santa Monica and spent the first year of her life in Venice. So she's she's gonna have that draw to that yeah. part of the world. So yeah. you know, it's, it's gonna be in her subconscious. Oh yeah. So we'll see. She talks. She talks about it. It's, it's in her. It's right in it. It, it comes right out. It's it's pretty um, there in her her frontal lobe. It's, <laughs> it's um, she's 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 very aware of her California roots, which is cool. So we're like, sweet, yeah. You want to pull us back that way, like you know, because yeah. kids 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 can have a bit of that impact, of course, too. What are the goals? Like, I think you mentioned this in the pre-pod Q and A, like about sort of how, like, talk a bit about like this too, vis-a-vis -vis Boston and what it's been like to raise capital and hit some of the like resources, like some of the resources and, and things that are required for you to scale the company right now and grow. Yeah. Like why LA? And then like, what are your, you know, immediate and kind of like, what are your like, at least annual, like what's the goal this year? You know, are you, are you raising capital? Like what, you know, what's happening on that front? Um, yeah. as you sort of, you know, look ahead here in January, 2023. Yeah. I mean, so being in, being in Boston and, and in tech for a decade, like I did, I, you know, I have plenty of resources of, around like fundraising and venture and just like meeting people, getting introduced to people. 
learning from people asking like stupid, borderline stupid questions to people, right? Where I'm just like, it's my first time doing this as like the lead person, as a guy. Like, again, I've seen it happen. I've been in the room, but I haven't like had the conversations in a lot of cases. Uh, I think the one, you know, main thing that I've learned about fundraising is that it's just like an ongoing uh, process, maybe from like the start when you start the company to like the very end, if there's ever an end, it's like something that never stops. Um, but the goals in the short term, like, well, yeah, so talking about Boston is like, Boston is a great startup ecosystem, as we've been discussing. A lot of the companies that have succeeded in Boston are, unfortunately for me, not of the consumer nature. So there's a huge emphasis on B2B in Boston, obviously healthcare, robotics, like those sort of more like, those are like the core. Yeah. Cybersecurity. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yep. And I get it too. Like it's a lot more predictable Mm -hmm. uh, from a B2B standpoint for the investors, right? Mm -hmm. Predictable, predictable revenue. That was one of the first like business books I read after college. Um, Mm -hmm. So I totally get that. And that being said, LA has, and the West side is specifically like, has all these consumer success stories. So like not only has LA's tech scene in its early stages been built off the back of them, but like it's the same sort of concept like the PayPal mafia, like the people spin out and they do their thing and then they become yeah, it's angels. And it's just like, yeah. yeah. And, and there's something to be said about the variables that exist in, in, in it's, it's why like when the bird, like, uh, shared scooter movement became but like like think consumer tech whether it's software or hardware and whether it's you know it's apps or it, they th- there's a good uh especially in the west side of la yeah it, it helped you know the weather being the way it is people are yeah. outside a lot um yeah. people are like interact like there's a lot of there's and there's it in the evidence suggests that when you put something that's for people, for consumers in the hands yeah. of the community that exists in Santa Monica, Venice, um, and, and adjacent areas, like even Culver yeah. city and whatnot, that it, you get a, you get a good heat check yeah. on how something might work in communities anywhere. Right, uh, right. And I think, you know, Denver is another, there's some other cities like that have some of the variables like Denver, Colorado has some yeah. of those variables it's, and Austin, Texas has those variables. So yeah. I think that's when you, shared with me you were moving to LA I it just I was it, it, I was like bummed because like damn we haven't hung out enough I know um, but I was happy for you because I knew it was the right move for your business and then it, yeah. it just has to be right now yeah and it's like you know this is the thing with moving anywhere it's like a hard decision it's hard to leave it's hard to go somewhere new yeah. uh but you can always go back you know it's like you can you just always can can go back home and uh or wherever you want you can always keep it moving yeah uh, but something that I do like is like being the new kid in school sort of vibes. Like it's fun. Uh, and I love meeting new people and I love, you know, putting myself out there. And even just this week, like, you know, I worked all through whatever the December, we didn't go back for Christmas. Yeah. We moved in December and then we just sort of hung here. Like we had a beach day in Malibu on nice. Christmas and it was just like the most relaxing Cool. holiday of my life because there's no like responsibilities like, i always love the holidays in, in la um because yeah. no one's there which beach were you at i had just some random one on, yeah in malibu. just one of them yeah yeah i, I uh malibu is a special place in mine and my wife's uh hearts because I, the day i did the malibu triathlon at zuma beach i proposed to my wife at the malibu pier 
Let's like, go. A little bit later, like I had a whole whole cool plan, and then we went to Nobu after. Nice. Had a nice. Had, a nice, had a, just did the full on Malibu day. It was great. That's epic. Yeah, it was a good time. Um, Tucker, this has been awesome. Like before, we get into the final question. I I want to okay. kind of get like. For for listeners and and folks, I, I, this has been a great conversation. I, I think it's we'll have uh, likely it's it's keeping folks engaged. And if I could stop stumbling over myself, they won't they won't drop off yet. Um, Smooth app, like I want to talk a little bit about just like put a finer point on what people can do to try it out. Like, is yeah. it you know like what in, in a bit like what's what's the business model like? Do folks like can folks download it, try it out? Like, what's How's um you know what is there you know what's the co- you know what's the cost you know associated to yeah, yeah, yeah. okay so, yeah. so we have so it's an app for couples to split your expenses automatically uh, without a shared bank account how do we do that is we integrate with your cards that you already have you set up a percentage with your partner we do all the math for you and then you can settle up inside the app as well so you don't have to get like Venmo shamed which is apparently a thing mm-hmm. um, that's it in a nutshell. Right now, it's free for our first thousand users. It'll be free for life, so you know you get the benefit, long-term benefit of being an early adopter. Yeah. We are in public beta right now, so you can download it off our website. You have to download Test Flight, which is yeah. you know tricky dichotomy. Not a lot of consumers are actually like familiar with. Yeah, with that. like nerds like me are like, oh yeah, Test Flight. Yeah, right. Same. Yeah. And it's like, <laughs> yeah. oh wait, not everyone knows that. Uh, yeah. like, wait, what's Test Flight? I thought I was yeah. downloading Smooth. Download Test Flight, people. It's like yeah. it's 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 like an app. It's like a small little app store for for apps that are in beta. It's like every app on your phone has been through Test Flight. Has been through Test Flight. So That's imagine that app. Phone. So if you're if you're an Apple user, the Apple icon, like the Apple App Store icon. Just imagine downloading Test Flight and it sits next to it, and there's a bunch of cool apps that you can be first to test out. Yeah. You know, if you have the special like access code, or if you're just like pointed in the right direction, boom, you can go get smooth. Yeah. And if you get and and I imagine you're you're marching towards that thousand um, user mark, so people should probably hurry up so they can get it for free. Yeah, if you want to use it for free, like yeah. definitely time is time is now. Yeah. Uh, in the future, it'll be you know paid subscription setup. But uh, you know, we're gonna launch on the App Store in in a few months, couple months, so like end of Q1 is sort of the goal. Yeah. Um, but you know, you never know. Like yeah. I'm not in a rush to launch it. I'd rather like speak to all these first thousand users and be like, like speak to all of them individually and be like, yeah. tell me more, tell me more, yeah. tell me more. Like I just, it, it's for me the most interesting intersection of like finance and romance is like, it's just loaded at every corner with like yeah. interesting stuff. Um, it is. I'm curious, what's your infrastructure? Like, what's your um, system for engaging with your early adopters and capturing and like first just knowing who they are and engaging with them? And then do you have, are you working on like, a gr- you know, a, a, an ability to capture their stories and start to find ways to like, because their stories are, be, can become your marketing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we've been, you know, doing the things that don't scale to use a cheesy startup yeah, right. thing. But, uh, you know, now we're starting now we're starting to say like okay that doesn't work to like reach out to everyone um and we are we are just finalizing a uh customer advisory board so we're gonna have like between 10 and 20 people who are our like boots on the ground feedback loop of like day-to-day problems like stuff like the partial settlement that's something that i hadn't thought of yeah and uh that came from people like that you know so to bring it all full circle is like i 
came up with this idea and was like, okay, if I can fix this for Selva and I, then I can fix this for other people too. Uh, but there's only so, that only goes so far. Like there's, because yeah. like I said before, everyone is experiencing a different relationship with money and a different relationship that they're in than the relationships relationship with money. Yeah. And so yeah. the things that work for, for you guys and the things that work for us can be totally different. And that, you know, times every relationship in the country. So I want to have this advisory board to sort of steer us in the right direction. That's smart. It's smart because it's a, it, a lot of the future um, user experience, like the, the, the experience updates that you'll make are going to be, you know, it's gonna come user insight. From it's going to yeah. be some user insights. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. We've already seen it too. So, um, I love where you're going to go with this because I already know it because you shared it in the pre-pod uh, Q&A. But for final question, we always like to ask, like, what's your challenge for listeners and readers? Yeah. Um, can you share yours? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so uh, I I am like an avid dry January person. I know this is like a polarizing subject because a lot of people will just like, you know, hate on it. Uh, but I've done it for six years in a row. This, this is year being my sixth. And, uh, it's a great, it's just a good challenge for yourself because, you know, you think more clearly, you sleep better, you handle stress in a, with a more, okay, maybe I'm generalizing, but this is what happens to me when I stop drinking yeah. for a month. Yeah. Uh, all of those benefits, I'm more fit, like yeah. I lose weight, yeah. um, you know, just develop better habits, save money. So like, it's worth, this is the challenge for everyone is just like try dry January or just yeah. try and together 30 days, uh, alcohol free or yeah. substance free and, and see how you feel. It's funny because I have friends who had like adamantly roasted me for doing this. Yeah. Try it and then be like, I think I'm never drinking again. I'm like, oh, that's funny because everyone sort of goes through that that yeah. moment. I'm like, you will. I'm sure you will. Because it feels so great. Yeah. yeah you're going to go to a wedding and you're going to yeah. drink again, and that's okay. But I think right. the ultimate takeaway is more just like... Moderation. Moderation. Pace yeah. and moderation. That's something my dad would always beat into my head is pace and yeah. moderation. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, it's yeah. No, yeah, totally. It takes it takes well, it, maturity takes time and and, yeah. and different and different aspects of our lives. You know, we're maybe less or more willing to to mature more quickly. And and uh, yeah. it's fun to you know it's it, it's a social thing to to, to drink and with people right. and have fun. Um, a couple kind of just things off of that. When I read this, I was like, oh, I'll probably share a couple stories. Like one, my buddy Ronnie, he he does dry October. You know, like he like he's like got his he's an engineer and he's like figured out the month and he did dry January and it was beneficial to him, but he's like figured out the month and the year that is like most advent like for him. So like, it's just, it is always like, it's a good test of like, um, you know, just strength and it's a good, it's a good body reset. It's a good mental reset. So it's a good thing to do. I did. Um, and then I would do like the last two CS shows I went to, I did dry CS. Um, because it's interesting, like Vegas and alcohol, goes together right um and so i challenged myself to just go to cs and like i love like for me i i was never a bit like i went to one of my one of my buds i was a groomsman his wedding had his bachelor party in vegas i'm not a like people can easily kind of draw like conclusions off of this statement but i'm not a vegas person um for bachelor parties read through that yeah so but i i fucking love vegas 
for like a work event. Like I used to go to the yeah. NAB, the National Association of Broadcasters show. I used to go there like like it was like springtime. But CES, I went seven years in a row. And um, what was really interesting about doing CES sober was how coherent and um, I was late late into the night with yeah. really fucking amazingly smart people. And yeah. my ability to have really like advanced conversations with folks right. that I was trying to develop initiatives with for the year. And yeah. so it really set up uh, a bunch of uh, just it created a bunch of like really efficient kind of and, and um, important collaborations for me that yeah. if I was a little bit more tired and kind of like, you know, just... <laughs> In impaired, uh, it yeah. would have been more difficult for me to a have engaged in that conversation and b to recall it. Right. Um, so yeah, so I, I I love it. I think it's a good and it's a timely one, you know, because it's you know it's the beginning of the new year. Yeah, totally. And also, like to your point, like at work events, like I I as like the sort of sole spokesperson for Smooth, like I am I'm never drinking at a work event anymore. Yeah. You know? yeah. Whereas back in the day, I used look to at us. I yeah, mean, back I in the day, I feel like in our heyday, we would have been like weed in the pack. But yeah, yeah I'm the same way. I, and 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 then it's sort of like I'll, you know, I, I won't have that rule at every work event, but I'll like cap it at two sort of thing, or I'll like, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, just like I love, you know, I love a good soda water with lemon. It looks like you're drinking something. You do that for right. a while, and then you can, you know, and especially if you're you're with like a partner, or someone wants, it's like, oh, you want to do a toast? Okay, let's get a drink. And it's like then later in the night, if someone wants to celebrate and have a drink, you're like, cool, this is my first fucking drink of the night. Like whatever, yeah. like I can yeah. have I can have a beer or a shot right now. It doesn't matter. Like I've yeah. not, I've just got a bunch of water in my body. That's why I'm like. In the yeah, bathroom. And the people, and the people <laughs> who care enough to, to shit on you when they yeah. find out, they forget right away. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and I, it, yeah, totally. Because um, I definitely got some, I caught some flack when I did that CS, but I didn't care. Um, yeah. And I, you know, one of the things but, that a switch that flipped for me too was like that was right when um, it was right when I was like becoming a dad, and then I was a dad. And so like yeah. the, the last year I went to CS, I'd moved, just moved back to Boston, so it must have been um, it was 2019 into 2020, right before yeah. the pandemic. So CES 2020, um, and it's just like I'm away from my family, like I'm yeah. away from my wife, I'm away from my daughter. Uh, I want to be as efficient and productive and get as, right. as much accomplished as I can. I also right. want to like do them proud, you know, and like I, like and so you know, right. alcohol can inhibit that in some way. Yeah, uh, it's, it's yeah. just like inherently going to. Yeah, uh, yeah. I think it's like this is business. Like we're doing business, you know. To, yeah. that's it's like I'm, I'm drinking when I'm not doing business, and yeah. if I'm not drinking, if I'm doing business, I'm not drinking. Yeah. Well, it's going to be an interesting challenge for you in uh, sunny Los Angeles, um, but I know you're up to it. Uh, but it's out here. Yeah. I'm, I'm meeting Everyone's people and they're like, "Yeah, I don't drink." No, like I'm I'm sober. Like I'm yeah. meeting people that are like like committed to it. That's cool. And they're younger yeah. than us, and I'm like, "Huh, this is a, yeah. this is a thing." Interesting. All right. I know, Jen, this microdose psilocybin, but yeah. I don't drink. Yeah. That's cool. That's a whole other conversation. Yeah. Well, that's one thing that happens when you when you when I when I moved to LA, I was like, oh, I got it. Like I, the first year I was there, before I realized, like I'm a, it's Venice or bust for me. I lived in Hollywood by Running Canyon and uh, oh, like wow. running the running the WeHo line, and I oh. did like Running Canyon like four or five days a week, and I eventually got to like kind of like lightly jog up and, and like Thanks. just very efficiently do run. You, you can just that's the thing about Los Angeles and the the elevation you can quickly get. You don't you don't need a gym, yeah. but elevation training is 
fucking great. And so yeah. I just did running like four days a week for like six months and lost like 20 pounds. Yeah, everyone, but I, but I, it, everyone was like so fit. And it's like, but a, a lot of people are just getting fit, like riding their bikes or like up, yeah. up and down canyons or walking or just walking up and down canyons and it's just, yeah. just being outside and moving and they're and everyone's like shredded. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. It's, it's a cool. Lot. Yeah. And I like the active it. lifestyle. I'm all for it. And that's great. Yeah, that's come back. That, that's awesome. Well, I'll definitely come back and visit. We have uh my sister in law, my wife's sister still lives out there. She's a she's a yeah. badass, like sports fitness model, actress, just doing her thing. Um, she dances in the like the, the the top like there's a burlesque group out of LA called the Lalas. They travel all around the world. She's she's one of the Lalas members. Like she's uh, so no. we got to get out and see uh you know uh in my wife and her sister they're they're Puerto Rican so in their culture they call aunties Titi. So uh, we got to go out and visit Titi. Hopefully later later this year with uh with our with our second daughter. What she's a Lala show. Sounds like a Dude, it, it's fun as hell. Like we'll go I'm to a sure. show, like, and if it's not Lala, she's got some other shows she does. But the Lala show, I've I've gone to them. Um, I remember when I went to in Studio City, it was like it was it was pretty cool. Um, but yeah, those those are those are fun shows. My only experience um, with burlesque yeah. is we were renting out our our place in Salem to a burlesque dancer who was like in on the North Shore for like a burlesque conference, and I was going to a black tie wedding, and I don't know how to tie a bow tie, like yeah. not to just, like out yeah. myself as like yeah. a millennial. I don't need that culture. Yeah. yeah. And so and she, so my get she tied our boat, my bow tie, like right before this wedding. That's awesome. I was like, oh my God, thank goodness yeah. you're here. Nice. Burlesque dancers. What can't they do? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Tucker, this has been amazing, man. I'm really glad that this gave us a chance to like go deeper than we've ever we ever probably would have gone on like hey, we should get to know each other better, kind of kind of call or or Absolutely. even maybe meet up. Um Absolutely. I I really Really appreciate you taking all the, the time today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Maybe we yeah. can do a do a part two after we launch. Yeah, that sounds good. We definitely will help get the word out there, and um, and let's okay. chat before, and we'll chat more before then. Um, really, really appreciate um, you and my life. Appreciate the friendship. Like we got a budding yeah, one going. Like, and uh, excited to kind of hear how the journey goes in Los Angeles, and you know the Boston community is right here with you. Like not just rooting for you, but supporting you. So looking forward to I what's ahead. It. I appreciate yeah. it. Big time. Big time. Awesome. And I'll be back soon. Sounds good. You let me know when. All right, brother. Thank All right, you. brother. Take care. Cheers, Boston.